You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. no escaping the second death. Folks, we escape alone in Christ by coming to Him. Surrendering our life to Him. You too can live and reign with Christ in this glorious kingdom that's being depicted for us here in Revelation chapter 20. That kingdom of peace, of joy, provision, and safety. Every one of us has a choice to make regarding eternity. Putting it off is equivalent to rejecting Christ. You're choosing to serve self over submitting to Him. In today's message, as Pastor Mike continues our study in the book of Revelation, we'll be reminded of how much is really at stake. You can choose to serve self and go into eternity separated from God, destined for eternal agony, or you can choose to accept His offer of salvation and be adopted as a son or daughter in His family. Now, here's Pastor Mike in the book of Revelation chapter 20 as he continues his message, The Millennial Kingdom. I remember what you said You return that I might live In my Father's I think the angel coming down from heaven is a dramatic declaration by God that Satan is not his opposite, is not his equal, and that God could easily stop the devil's activity at any time. But nevertheless, God allows him to continue because even in his evil doing, he indirectly serves the purposes of God. So the final importance of Satan is perhaps indicated in the fact that it is not the Father who deals with the devil, nor is it Jesus, but only an unnamed angel. And I thought that that was significant, and I thought I'd pass that along uh, to you. Now, notice the bottomless pit that is being referred to here. That is the abyss. And this bottomless pit is located in the immeasurable depth of the underworld, the lower regions, the abode of evil demons which are doomed forever. This is not hell, by the way. This is another place altogether. Now, this place is referred to in the book of Jude in in verse 6. Jude is only one chapter long, and so as a cross-reference, I would draw your attention to verse 6. Notice what it says there. And the angels who did not keep their proper domain or their first estate, but rather align themselves with the devil, 
but left their own abode there in heaven. He has reserved, that is, God has reserved these demons, these uh, demonic angels, in everlasting chains and under darkness for the judgment of the great day. So this angel that comes down from heaven binds the devil with this chain, and he is cast into this bottomless pit along with these other demonic angels that are being referred to there in the book of Jude in verse 6. It's sort of like a prison. Just think of it like a, a prison, a prison house in which evil spirits are confined, awaiting the final judgment of God. And so the dragon, the old serpent, the devil, notice the various ways that he's described here for us, who is responsible for so much of the evil in the world today, will be imprisoned for this thousand-year period. And this is referred to also prophetically in the book of Isaiah. Remember, I told you to stay in Isaiah, put a bookmark in in it. And as a cross-reference, Isaiah chapter 24, in verses 21 and 22. It shall come to pass in that day that the Lord will punish on high the host of exalted ones, and on the earth the kings of the earth, verse 22, they will be gathered together as prisoners are gathered in the pit and will be shut up in the prison after many days they will be punished. But also to balance this out, to serve as a warning, so long as the devil is at liberty, and folks, presently he still is at liberty, to act, he will not rest, deluding men and women, with his lies and seeking our destruction. So just remember, presently, he is not bound. And he's still, you know, going about doing his handiwork. In fact, Peter warns us against uh, that work. In 1 Peter in chapter 5, in verse 8, the warning, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, like a roaring lion, is seeking to devour you. So the point is, is that the devil still remains a formidable enemy. So what do we do? Listen, here's the answer to that question. What we need to do is just simply stay close to uh, Jesus. So that's the first point. Now, the second emphasis of this chapter, and this brings us to our second point, and that is the reign of the saints. Now, we should be very interested in this because this is you and I. And uh, this has to do with the reign of the saints, and that's who uh, you are. So let's go back to our text now, and once again, let's please read verses 4 through 6. And I saw thrones, that is, John saw these thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus, for the word of God, who had not worshipped the beast or his image, and had not received his mark on their forehead or on their hands. This would, of course, uh, uh, be the the saints that have come out of the Great Tribulation period. Remember, I had mentioned in one of our previous studies that there's a great soul harvest that takes place during that uh, period of time, the result of the two witnesses in Jerusalem, the result of the 144,000 Orthodox Jews who preached the gospel, also, the two angels, that, the angels, rather, who fly across the heavens, uh, proclaiming the everlasting 
gospel. And the result of which is there's this great soul harvest that comes out of the seven-year uh, period of tribulation who refuse to take the mark of the beast. And they are martyred for their faith. But nevertheless, they are a part of this a group of people that are being described for us here, and they will also rule and reign together with Christ. They will sit upon these thrones that are uh, being referred to here in this uh, portion of uh, Scripture. Notice what it says. And they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand uh, years. But the rest of the dead did not live. Now, the rest of the dead would be non-Christians who have already passed away who have already died. Uh, they remain uh, in their, uh, uh, in their uh, position there, and they're not in the presence of God, right? But the rest of the dead, non-Christians, did not live again until the thousand years were finished. In other words, they, they're not able uh, to participate in the thousand-year reign of Christ, the millennial kingdom. And then he goes on to declare, this is the first resurrection. Now, now this may be confusing to some of you, but I'll explain it uh, to you in just a moment. Then he goes on to declare, blessed, or oh how happy, and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection over such the second death. We'll talk about what that includes, the second death, uh, in just a moment. Has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with him a thousand years. Okay, so here is this group that we are being introduced to here in this portion, verses 4 through 6, and we are told that they lived and reigned together with Christ for a period of a thousand years. Now think about this. This is you and I. You know, when we pass from this life and this world to the next, we're going to live forever. And we're going to rule and reign together with Christ, first of all, for a period of a thousand years. And at the conclusion of a thousand years, we then pass through any time continuum, and it's all the eternal now. So our death is just the beginning of our you know, uh, life everlasting. This is something that we can all look uh, forward to. As you hear me say time and time again, the best is yet uh, to come. So they occupy, notice this group of people, and this would include you and me, they occupy thrones. Notice there in verse 4. And authority is given them to judge. Now, who are these individuals? Well, they are all those who belong to the first resurrection. Old Testament, New Testament, and tribulation uh, saints. Remember what the Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5 in verse 8. Paul tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's the first resurrection. So when you die as a believer in Jesus Christ, that's your resurrection. That's the first resurrection. Whether it's through uh, you know, natural causes where you expire, where you pass, where you die, natural causes, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Now that's your First, that's the first resurrection for you. All the New Testament saints alike. Those of us who died in faith. As far as the tribulation saints go, the same would be true uh, for them. When they expire, they go right into the very presence of uh, God himself. So that makes up the first resurrection. Again, who belongs to the first resurrection? 
Old Testament, New Testament, and Tribulation saints. Now, these thrones that are being depicted for us here in verse 4, in the scriptures, you know, throughout the scriptures, when, the, when we see the word throne, it denotes judicial seats of royal authority. And they are not displayed here in this text of scripture for mere empty show. Those that are sitting upon those thrones, and this would be you and I, are the priests of God, and notice that's the way that they're recommended to us here in this text. They are the priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. Go back to the latter part of verse 6. What does it say? But they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him for a thousand years. Gang, this is Christ's royal priesthood, of which Peter refers to in 1 Peter in chapter 2 in verse 9 where there we are told we are a royal a priesthood. And we're told, notice also, that judgment was given to them. Verse 4. That is, we will judge the world. We will enforce God's laws during the millennial, during the millennial kingdom of Christ. Now, you might be thinking, well, who in the world are we going to be judging during this time? Well, listen, there will actually be people who will survive the seven years of tribulation and the battle of Armageddon. And uh, remember, during the seven years of tribulation, because of the uh, cataclysmic uh, judgments, a third part of the earth's population have passed away. But nevertheless, still two-thirds of the population remain. And yes, there are hundreds of thousands who will not survive the battle of Armageddon, you know, that will align themselves with the regime of the Antichrist to fight against a God who will come into the land of Palestine, you know, in that day to fight against God, and, and, and they will be consumed, you know, in that battle. But nevertheless, there will be people who survive the seven years of tribulation and, will, who, be, and will, who will be around during the millennial kingdom. Now, those will be the people whom we will judge. And those are the people whom we will enforce the laws of God upon. And so we will be given thrones. And so we will rule in different places and, and you know, across our uh, entire world. You know, put your dibs in now where you want to rule. I remember Pastor Chuck Smith always used to say, you know, during the millennial kingdom, you know, he's going to be asking God if he can rule on the island of Maui. And, you know, he thought that that would be one of the better places to rule from. And uh, so there are going to be millions. Of, and then, you know, throw this into the mix. You know, a thousand, uh, a thousand years will take place during that time. So people will, you know, they'll, they'll marry. They'll uh, have children. The wives will give birth. And so the, the population upon the earth during the thousand year a reign of Christ will continue to grow and grow and grow. And so those are the people that we will rule over. Those are the people that we will judge. Do you see that? Those are the people whom we will enforce God's laws upon during this period of time. And so we will judge the world. We will enforce God's law during the millennial kingdom. Now, this is not the only place in the scriptures where this is suggested. Remember in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6 and verse 2. Now, you've got to know something. Before I give you that cross-reference, you've got to know something about that epistle that was written to the church in Corinth. And uh, that particular epistle is known as a corrective epistle. This was a church that was all messed up. 
And uh, there was bickering going on. There were divisions. And people were at war with one another. People were, were dragging each other into courts. And you know, uh, all kinds of different things were going on. And so Paul addressing them says in 1 Corinthians in chapter 6, in verse, uh, uh, verses 1 and 2, uh, you know, to clear up this thing, you know, to, to stop them from all of the bickering, from dragging each other into courts. He says, and I quote, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2, Dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to the law before the unrighteous and not before the saints? In other words, what he's suggesting here is, hey, listen, work it out amongst yourselves. This is your brother. This is your sister who you're fighting against. You know, don't go to some secular court, you know, to resolve the issues. And then he goes on, he says, do you not know that the saints will judge the world? Referring to this event during the, seven, uh, during the millennial kingdom. And if the world will be judged by you, are you unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Okay, so once again, we are going to judge the world. We are going to enforce God's law during the millennial uh, kingdom. We are going to rule and reign together with Christ. Okay? So that, again, is something to look uh, forward to. But, notice again, let's go back to our text. In verse 5, we are told, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Okay, so those that have died outside of Christ, have never made a profession of Christ, never been born again, they just remain in the graves, okay? But we have experienced the first resurrection. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Whether we've gone to be with the Lord through natural, our, our natural condition, we've just expired, we've died, we got sick, we died we, into the presence of God uh, via the rapture of the church, that would also include the first resurrection, uh, the saints, that have come out of the great tribulation, they've experienced the first resurrection as well. So the first resurrection is a resurrection to everlasting life. That's when it all begins. Uh, it, it culminates, uh, you know, at the end of the uh, thousand-year reign and then continues through uh, eternity. So the it's, the, it's referred to as the resurrection of the just. And in Luke's Gospel in chapter 14, in verse 14, it says, And you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you shall be repaid at the resurrection of the just. That's you. That's the first resurrection. The resurrection of the uh, just. But, okay, here's where people get confused. There's a second resurrection. And it's a resurrection of unbelievers. Now, how do we come to that conclusion? Well, Jesus spoke of these two different resurrections. Uh, in John's Gospel, in chapter 5, in verses 28 and 29, Jesus said, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. So do you see that there are two different resurrections? And there is at least a space of 1,000 years between these both events. And there's also a second death associated with the second resurrection. 
Because notice, let's go back to our text in Revelation chapter 20, in verse 6. What does it say there? It says, but they shall, uh, in verse 6, it says, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Why? Because over such, the second death has no power. Okay, so, who doesn't have, who doesn't have any power over? Well, those who are believers in Jesus Christ. Now, the second death, let's talk about that second death. Let's talk about its chief features. What would that include? Well, it would include eternal separation from God, alienation from God, eternal torment. They would be thrown into the lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone. And notice in chapter 21, and we'll get into this in further detail in chapter 21, in verse 8, we are told that this lake of fire that is a part of the second death, one of its chief uh, features, will be burning with fire and brimstone. Notice in chapter 21 in verse uh, 8. And there it is referred to as what? The second death. And notice also there, let's go back to chapter 20 now. In verse uh, 10, we are told that the devil uh, who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. So do you see that? Okay? So that's where the unbelievers who are part of the second resurrection, who will uh, taste of that second uh, death. They'll be thrown into the lake of fire, burning with fire and brimstone. And that's what is uh, a part of that second uh, death. Now, what a horrible fate. Can you imagine that? And it's for all of eternity. But listen, as long as we are alive and conscious, there is hope and the possibility of escaping the second death. You see, when the unbeliever receives Jesus Christ by faith, he is born again and thereby receives the life of God. But if we should die in unbelief or continue to reject and disobey Christ until the rapture of the church, or if during the tribulation we follow the Antichrist instead of Christ, all is lost and there's no escaping the second death. Folks, we escape alone in Christ by coming to Him, surrendering our life to Him. You too can live and reign with Christ in this glorious kingdom that's being depicted for us here in Revelation chapter 20. That kingdom of peace, of joy, provision, and safety. But you have to come. It's a choice and a decision that each and every one of us must make. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be. Oh, my That's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. Did you know that you can listen to Pastor Mike's teachings on your favorite podcast app? Just search for In My Father's House with Mike Venizio and be sure to subscribe. And let us know you're a listener in the comments. We'd love for you to join us for worship this Sunday at Harvest Christian Fellowship, too. 
Check harvestnyc.org for service times. You can reserve your seat by clicking on Contact and then the Register link. We're located in Midtown Manhattan, and there's easy access from Port Authority on 42nd and Penn Station on 34th. If you're not in the area, or if you're unable to attend in person, we'd still like to have you be a part of our time studying God's Word. We're live streaming our services each week, and you can connect on our website. Again, that's harvestnyc.org. If you'd like to catch previous Sunday messages, click on the Resources tab. You can also watch services through our Vimeo link or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. Links to all of these are available at our website. One more time, that's harvestnyc.org. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to ask you to join us in praying for all those listening to Pastor Mike's teachings. Please pray for open hearts and open ears to hear and accept truth. Thanks for praying, and thanks for joining us today. We look forward to our continuing study of Revelation next time, here on In My Father's House. There's a place for